Hey now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, at the Living the Dream Studios, and I got D-Boy alongside me again today to kick off the new year. What's going on, D-Boy? <laughs> What's happening, man? What's good with you? A whole lot. <laughs> that's good to hear. That's good to hear because that ain't for everybody. Hey, no, no that, that's definitely not. Though. That's definitely not for everybody. But I think it is in an instance because 2021 has gotten off to a fast start politically, at least. So we'll definitely dig into some of that as we carry on through today's episode. It'll be a good, fun episode to start off the year. Um, just want to do some rapid fire because, like I said, there's kind of a lot to touch on, um, but we'll get through all of that. But I want to start off making some announcements, a few big announcements. All of you know that I am the TV analyst for Portland State's men's basketball team, and I thought I would be announcing that they have a game this Saturday as well as tonight as we're recording this here on a Thursday. Um, tonight they will be playing at Sacramento State and Saturday Sacramento State will be coming into town and playing at PSU. Obviously, none of you can go to the games, but at this point, nobody can go to the games because they aren't even going to be played. Um, so not even the players will be going to the games because, unfortunately, there was a positive COVID case uh, on behalf of Sacramento State. Last weekend, Portland State dealt with the same issue, drove all the way down to Cheney, Washington, to go play against Eastern Washington for a pair of games. And once they got to Washington, they received a phone call that there was a player who tested positive for Eastern. So that's four games consecutively that will be count canceled. So I really don't even know when the next game will be because at this rate, I'm just going to kind of hold off and see how things play out, you know, it's based real on... It's tough to navigate through, man. Very it's, tough to navigate through. It, it almost... You appreciate as a sports fan that the attempt is being made, but it's almost so much to navigate through that outside of the NBA bubble being flawless, what I think no cases found from players or coaches in the yeah, yeah, circumference yeah. of that, right. um, outside of that, I, nothing has been smooth. Oh, yeah. I mean, nothing, nothing. It, I mean, it's been ultimately. very. Yeah, absolutely. It's been very tough to operate through. So, like I said, I, I mean, you can go look up the PSU schedule to see what the next slated schedule games are. But at this point, um, I don't know what they're going to do in regards to these last four games because they're all Big Sky Conference games. So that matters. And I would imagine they need to get those games played some way, somehow. But I would imagine also there'll be some shifting of the schedule in order to make that happen. But certainly important games being that they are conference games. So we'll see what the following update will be. But just yesterday it was announced that there will be no PSU games this week. So you will not be seeing me on Pluto TV. Um, also, be on the lookout for my other podcast, the Street Roofs Podcast. Is we'll be getting that back off the ground in the year 2021 next week. Um, I'll be interviewing Senator Ron Wyden, Oregon senior senator. He's a ranking member for the Senate Finance Committee. And the way things are ironing out, it is looking like he will be the chair of the Senate Finance Committee, which means a whole lot in regards to um, some of the things and policies that we would like to see federally funded going forward in these United States of America. And so I have a bunch of questions slated for him in regards to a variety of topics that we should be able to see some funding come from Senate and be able to see some ch some policy changes on a federal level as well. So I'm definitely excited to talk to him just before inauguration as we start to prepare for the transition of this new 
administration, which will be the Biden-Harris administration. So be sure to subscribe to the Street Roots podcast and just go ahead and check it out because next week we'll definitely have a good one. Um, I also made an appearance earlier this week on TRT World News. Um, That was what day Sunday or Monday I don't know I'm getting them all mixed up they run together but anywho um had a conversation with TRT World News about the leaked phone call (laughs) in regards to Donald Trump uh and the Secretary of State in Georgia as Donald Trump was demanding that votes be found as we know he's been on this voter suppression uh kick uh, for quite a while now. All his and tweets been getting flagged. His Funny tweets are getting flagged. He's, I mean, he's, plethora, he's inciting, uh, yeah, 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 he's inciting violence, and we'll get into what happened at the Capitol building a little bit later on. Um, but, but yeah, just a lot going on there, but go check out the appearance. You can go to my Instagram <laughs> page and see it, and it's up on YouTube somewhere as well, um, but definitely, uh, had the fortune of being able to knock that appearance out. It's funny, too, because I actually got called to make an appearance yesterday as well for TRT as I work with them, you know, obviously via what I'm doing out this way. And uh, I thought I was going to be hopping on last night to discuss what what went on at the Capitol building, but TRT is interesting in the sense that they're based out of Istanbul, Turkey, but they also broadcast in London and Washington, D.C., so they got smaller remote stations outside of their main studio in Istanbul in London and D.C. So being that everything was taking place in D.C. yesterday, it was almost like a double book because the, the producers out in Istanbul reached out to me to talk about what was going on as things were breaking and progressing. Um, but it just made a lot more sense to have the folks who are on the ground in D.C. to be able to cover it because it was breaking news and they were on the ground for it. So who knows? I might get a call this weekend and still come on and talk about it as things progress. But um, that was certainly an interesting ordeal yesterday as, you know, we all navigated through seeing things unfold in D.C. at the Capitol building. D-Boy, you got any announcements that you want to tag along here? Nah, man, I'm I'm staying out the way, low key. It's crazy (laughs) right now. Um, I I have a lot of things cooking and I have to focus on me and what I have going right now and what I'm doing. Obviously, this is crazy. It's unfortunate. It, it further showcases a lot of what we know and we'll talk about the whole Capitol building, but I'm out. I'm, I don't have no no announcements. We working. We working. <laughs> we working. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about Senator Warnock becoming the first African-American senator to be elected in the state of Georgia. Um, But obviously, y'all know we like to weave in sports and politics here. And one of the most interesting parts of this, obviously, it's important on a lot of levels. Um, You know, it flips the Senate majority in favor of Democrats. There's no longer a a majority Republican Senate, so it helps on that front. Um, Like I said, it's a huge accomplishment, and it's a milestone for the black race because the state of Georgia, which is the home state of Martin Luther King. Matter of fact, Reverend Warnock was the pastor of the church uh, Martin Luther King once pastored during his lifetime. So I definitely think there's um, some significant historical connection there. But Reverend Warnock, like I said, being a black man in the state of Georgia where you have Hollywood, I mean, uh, you have Atlanta, which is known as Black Hollywood and which is one of the American cities that represents blackness 
more than any other city in the United States of America. It was just a huge ordeal on a lot of fronts. But the storyline that popped out to me from all of this was that of who Warnock was racing was racing against for the seat. And that is Kelly Loeffler, who is the senator of Georgia, who will no longer be. But she also was the owner of the Atlanta Dream, which is a WNBA team. And some of you may or may not remember, but back when bubble play started, you had to bubble for the NBA. You had to wobble for the other for the WNBA. And you had these players that were taking a stance on behalf of Black Lives Matter. Obviously, that was the hot topic over this summer following the passing of George Floyd. In their case, the women were really taking a strong stand on behalf of Breonna Taylor. And Senator Loeffler, who's a Republican senator, came out and just dogged out the Black Lives Matter movement as she was in this race to be elected up against uh, Senator Warnock, who will now, who, the Senator elect Warnock. Um, of course, she was going to lose. Tell me more. I mean, that's timing, everything going on. You got to be woke, man. You got to be woke. Bad timing, uh, terrible insight, if that's how you feel. And, uh, yeah, she she deserved to be up out of there. No, no, I, I hear you 100% on that. I think it was significant, though, just to see the direct impact of the WNBA in this election, which meant so much for the entire country. Um, we often talk about the activism in the NBA, obviously LeBron being the leader of that because the Le- LeBron is the massive figure that he is within sports and beyond it's easy to kind of get caught up in the NBA talk and the NBA activism that is taking but place. even post-NBA, I'm happy with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, man. To, I, I, I want to I talk more about I, them. I like them, man. I want to talk more about them, but I definitely want to finish off giving the Dream their credit because, mm-hmm. like I said, the significance of being able to get your owner. First off, before the, the significance, let's just talk about the courage of playing for an organization that is owned by somebody who is a Republican senator. And we all know when it comes to profession, how tough it could be, whether you agree with your boss or your owner or your manager or Mm -hmm. whoever it is that you Mm -hmm. have to report to or not, we tend to a lot of times hold things in and hold things back because of the the job security at the setting and Mm -hmm. also the job security. Like, like she has the power to make decisions that the players don't have the power to. Mm -hmm. So to be able to see these women on the Atlanta dream, have the courage to stand up against their team owner to back and endorse that of Senator Warnock and uh, I forget the numbers. I'd have to look back That's on my so Twitter, deep. but That's a powerful there's story. there's some there's some specific numbers where like his his election results like drastically increased in connection to the date that they publicly endorsed Senator Warnock, almost as if he, it didn't look like he was going to have a chance to be able to win based on what this number what his numbers were then. It would be hard to predict that he would and be they, able and to win. Skyrocketed. And they skyrocketed. We mm-hmm. were able to get it to a point of a runoff. And then Atlanta, led by, I would say, Stacey Abrams, but there's so many people that had, had their hand in, in the state of Georgia um, really rallying up and going to bat and voting on behalf of Warnock. But Fact. that's just such an intriguing and interesting story to me. And that courage is just absolutely... And to crazy further for back what you're saying, I, I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that I would say noticeably for me in the past couple years at least, which it should have came way sooner, we already know, but I've been seeing the WNBA 
get more love and support and acknowledgement than I've ever heard before. And I love that. And I hope that we continue to get more of it because we're seeing the power behind it and the power they hold as well as strong women with platforms. You feel Absolutely. Me? And uh, I, I think that's a, a great direct, a step in the right direction. The fact that we are hearing and seeing the great things transpire from the WNBA yeah. instead of just solely the NBA. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that attributes to a lot for one, the athletes are great. You got to give them credit for what it is that they do in their pro- profession. They're elite athletes Two, I just think socially we're in times where, um, the voice of women is being amplified because, mm-hmm. you know, they've been oppressed for such a long time and we're mm-hmm. now kind of opening our eyes to all the oppression across the board in this country. Positions. They're holding high power positions <laughs> all the way up to the vice president of the United Thank States you. now. Um, there's just so many things that you could say in that regard as to why the WNBA is starting to get uh, more publicity, starting to get more acknowledgments, more respect, because they have been consistent in being on the front lines when it comes to athlete activism as right. well. But like I said, we're quick to go to the story of LeBron James being an activist. Right. We're quick to go to the and story. And that's why I'm saying that acknowledgement in order for us to be aware that let's keep that going. Let's keep yeah. this going because it's a good thing and we're seeing good things transpire from it. So absolutely, absolutely. It yeah, so shout out to the Dream for that. Um, what was your thoughts on Stack and Matt? I love those two dudes as well, but what were your thoughts on them in particular? I just think they they say and do things in such a hip, relatable way to the culture that is ultimately the culture coming together in order to make these powerful things happen, such as Trump getting out, the voting numbers being higher than ever, the black vote, uh, every everything above that I just mentioned. And so I think the fact that, like you said, already with NBA being in there, they're ex-NBA players, but they, they come at such a relatable and professional way of speaking, yet so real and uncut that um, you can't help but to, to, to come across and hear it and listen. And I think it is it, it's trickling down and affecting on, on our culture in a major way, uh, not only from the podcast, but I see how each one of them individually run their Instagram and staying true to their lane. I feel like Steven Jackson is more so, I won't even say on the front line, but because he was so directly connected with George Floyd, his route and lane was automatically going to be different and he owned it and he's doing a great job in that position and it's not phasing away. Same with Matt Barnes. I think he's more so staying true to himself and how he delivers things. He might be smoking weed or you could tell he high or whatever, but it's never, uh, it, it, it never shakes his brain. It never makes him have some crazy, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, outlandish. Uh, outlandish. Takes, huh? t- it's still yeah. very composed and professionally spoken and has very valid points to it. So I just think that there are two dudes that hold more power and more impact than, than, than some might think and, and that they need to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, no, definitely. It's interesting you say that because I just think about, you know, other areas where I think they were very impactful just in the year 2020 outside of just Black Lives Matter, but you acknowledge cannabis. Um, those two have been two of the leaders in regards to advocates. the cannabis. Yeah, the, absolutely. Two advocates in regards to the cannabis, the cannabis push within the NBA. NBA. Um, no drug testing. No shit. drug testing. 
now. So like, like that's a huge deal. And like, mm-hmm. I, like I said, just speaking to, like I announced earlier, me speaking to Senator Wyden next week. That's one of the things that we're going to discuss is cannabis being legalized federally and what Senate's plan is. Obviously, from a policy perspective, but as well from mm-hmm. a financial perspective mm-hmm. in regards to creating a, a, a new model that favors folks from not being criminalized w- because of their interactions with cannabis, whether it be possession, whether it be intent to sell, whether it be just whatever, just decriminalizing cannabis and marijuana on a federal level is a huge deal. And it's a conversation that is happening in places like the Capitol building. And so to see what people are doing more so on the ground in separate particular industries, I think really kind of amplifies what we want to see on a federal level. So that's super dope. I also thought they had the sports interview of the year last year. Um, I was thinking about it as I was watching Pharrell on Drink Champs. Um, I thought that was the best hip-hop music interview of the year. And I'm like, well, who had the best sports interview? It had to be the Allen Iverson interview on All the Smoke. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Talk to me. They did the Kobe interview. Yeah, that last interview, Kobe. <clears throat> that last interview yeah. that Kobe did. That's monumental. Pre- that's why I said I was like I was waiting to see where you was going with the second one because I automatically thought it was going to that, and then I had to do my. You know, we just started a new year, but I'm like, it has to be. That was literally the last. You know, it, <sighs> it, and it and it was just so monumental. Like that was the most last genuine, us seeing where Kobe was going after basketball moment. That I mean, it, it has to take the cake. I, I agree. I, I get what you're saying because it's hard. Like, like it's very unfortunate, but like death adds impact. For and sure. the interview was a great and interview. That's, that's why I'm. That's a part and, of why I'm saying it. And I know? get that. But if I had to take away the death element and just compare the two interview for you interview, can't, I because the death but, but, element but because, is really a factor. But but the reason I can is because I do think that part aside. I would have chosen Allen Iverson's interview to but be the interview of the saying. year it, still. So yeah. you can uh, add that on to try to maybe even out the playing field I think the on behalf it, yeah. of the Kobe interview. But for me, just interview for interview, say Kobe was still alive and well today, I would have chosen the Allen Iverson interview as the end of sports interview of the year over the Kobe. No, I get your point. Hold, I, I get what you're saying. I'm more so just saying because that is what the facts are. I probably would have mentioned that and then said, you know, the content-wise, you did feel like, you know, the Allen Iverson interview was better. But I'm just saying because facts are facts and that impact is really what it is, I would have probably had to maybe coincide them or whatever. Yeah, like I said, I think think I'm just thinking of it from more of a journalistic perspective. And and that's why I said, I I understand. I'm not taking no shade on Kobe or nothing like that. For sure. I I I get your lane. No, I get get both sides of it. Like I said, Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to diminish the impact of Kobe's death, but for me, I just didn't take that into consideration, I guess. And so, Mm -hmm. just looking at it from the interview, because also, yes, that was unfortunately one of the last times that we saw Kobe Bryant in that vein, because it was so close to his death. But... Kobe had become very public-facing post-career, uh-huh. where somebody like an Allen Iverson, we don't hear much from at all. You don't hear Allen Iverson going on any platform. I think it was just more. You really don't know him much. Speaking of his future, so many plans. Yes, yeah, very and, unfortunate. And the, you know, that's all I'm saying. But and but that's still but, a part of the content too. Absolutely, but in that, 
somebody like an Allen Iverson, we don't know. We you could see what Kobe's future was because yeah. he yeah. was so outward facing. Allen Iverson right, was like, he was so I, outward facing in his support of women baskets, women's basketball by way of Gianna. What he was doing with the AAU circuit and the Mamba Academy, he was doing so many things that were outward facing that we knew kind of what he was doing. It was just his last time being able to talk to us about it. Unfortunately, before his death, Damn. I ain't heard shit from Allen Iverson in yeah. a long time. So, yeah, it's crazy to still think about Kobe's passing right here in the studio, right here in the studio, man. man. And he'll be it'll be a year this month already. Like that shit seemed like it was just a couple months ago. That's and crazy. it'll already be a year on what I believe I, it was the 26th. I remember being in L.A., man. Daddy That's passed. a whole nother story. We're going to talk about it probably around the time of his uh, one year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So definitely a uh, shout out to to to. All the smoke, Matt Barnes, Stack Jack for everything that they're doing. I think it was dope. D Boy, what was your reaction when you start seeing everything that was going on yesterday at Capitol Hill? I ain't surprised. This world janky. Focus <laughs> on you and yourself and your peoples. Tell your family you love them. Health is wealth. Um, and, and and that this shit ain't about money and the one percent or nothing. It is it is black versus white, hate versus love, and and and. It's, it's shameful. That's what my reactions was. Yeah, no, I, initially. I, 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 am I off? Was that too much? I mean, that's how you feel. That's how I feel. That's how you feel. I mean, is that reasonable? It, it's definitely reasonable. Okay. Um, okay. I would more so say that it was just, it was a full circle moment because full circle. you had everything that took place in the year 2020, and it's, you know, even more kind of. Hit, hits home for us because we live here in the Portland market and we know how the uprisings were for upwards of 100 days consecutively. Contradictive occurrence, huh? Contradictive occurrence. <laughs> because we've seen everything that took place right here. From the, from the federal officers coming Can into you? Portland, from, you know, me working with policymakers and seeing how it was being handled at City Hall to the criticism that we got nationally, internationally from people because the uprisings wouldn't stop on behalf of Black Lives Matter. You have to you have to acknowledge that every time that you speak on these uprisings, uprisings because people try to twist and turn them into so many different other things. Um, and, you know, I, I actually, on the Best of 2020 episode, I, make sure, I made sure to incorporate the clip um, from when we had Dr. Jules Boykoff on the podcast, and I think that was around like day 60 of the uprisings here in Portland, and he really broke down what actually was going on as well as the intent of what was going on at that particular time. And now you look at a scenario where not a life is lost, but an election is lost, and these Trump supporters lost their fucking mind <laughs> like they lost their mind in a way that I never could have imagined. But even beyond they that, lost mind, but, but but even it's beyond crazy. that, but even beyond that, that, I look at the Capitol. I look at the Capitol building entirely different than yeah. I grew up yeah. thinking yeah. of the Capitol building and yeah. how secure right. and protected how, it was. How was that even? A, how was people I, I, really climbing I don't get through it. the roof and the size of that? Man, how? they was climbing like Catwoman in a DC comic yeah, upside them it buildings. It looked like a movie, bro. It was it crazy. Like I mean, you. You got people with their feet kicked up uh, on Nancy Pelosi's desk just taking pictures. You got people shooting selfie videos with the officers. Like, it was so But we wild. get thugs and, and barbarians. Absolutely. And, and, and everything. And, 
you know, and the threats, the looting and the shooting and all of that, bruh, it was personal information that was accessed. It was it was personal restricted areas that were accessed. Uh, it was violence. It was it was break-ins. It was all kind of stuff that took place. And, and for it to even be allowed, like you said, it makes you look at it different than we ever thought. And then just imagine how it looks to the third world country. And just the outside, people yeah. that are not here. You feel me? It, it, it looks bad. It looks bad, bruh. And, and like you said, it was it was feet kicked up, selfie videos, the whole nine. It was it was. Yeah, I, I never seen nothing like it. Like I said, it's mm. something that I never could have imagined or expected. It's something that, like I said, was unfortunate. But it's also something that the way that I look at it, I'm not somebody who's been on the front lines in regards to uprisings and what people deem to be rioting. And I'm speaking to other people because I'm certainly not speaking to myself. But um, I do the work behind the scenes. Like, I do the work. Like, you got the defund the police stuff going on over the summer. I've done the work with Portland Street Response. And what do you know? $15 million gets defunded by the Portland Police Bureau. $4.8 million of that goes to Portland Street Response, which is a model I worked on. I spoke to kind of what's going on with the senator. Senator Wyden wants to make that a national model. Gratefully so, you have a, a Senate that will now be more so in favor of the Democratic Party because the Democrat, because it, we have an office now, uh, a Democrat um, <clears throat> administration in that of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Now he will be promoted from a ranking member to a chair on the Senate Finance Committee. So this was maybe September or something like that. I did a press conference with Senator Wyden right here in Portland, Oregon, at the Portland Fire Station. Myself, Kaya San, Sophia, we all represented Street Roots. You had Tremaine Clayton of Portland Fire. Um, um, you had... Uh, you had the Portland Fire Chief who was a part of it as well. Um, you had so much go on in that instance where Senator Wyden acknowledged he wanted to make Portland Street response a federal model. I'm not saying that to toot my own horn or anything of that sort. I say all that to say, as black people, we have to acknowledge the leverage that we do have while the opposing side is exposing themselves in such a way. It's easy to get caught up in what's happening and sort of kind of, like I said, being angry about it. But we need to make sure that we're channeling that energy into the change that we actually want to see because now we have a little bit more leverage than we've had before because of the exposing that is taking place in this here country. And I think people really should start looking into things that they can do on a grassroots level locally, wherever you may be, to start implementing and presenting change to these folks that are elected officials, to, um, you know, folks that, that, that have influence in whatever community is that you're in, because I think it's a point where we can, we can make it become a turning point in the way that we did with the, black with the black vote this year. Do you think that I'm... I'm not going to ask if you think I'm wrong because I know I'm not wrong like in a mean way, but do you think that yesterday's occurrences could have been some of the best things that ever happened for the long term of the actual exposure for people who might have been on the fence or didn't understand or felt like, oh, these people shouldn't be breaking in windows and do like, 
do you think now this is the Capitol building we're talking about right now and what happened? Do you think that yesterday exposed a lot and maybe made things more clear for, like you said, the blatant, clear contradiction of what was said about what took place during Black Lives Matter protests and the treatment that took place yep. and the security that took place yep. during Black Lives Matter protests compared side by side to what took place yesterday. 100%. And, and, okay. I, and I'll tell you why. I'll yep. tell you why. Because I agree. I think speaking, so. Speaking all the way up to... The, listen, it wasn't just Democratic... Or Republican. I mean, it wasn't just Democratic senators or House representatives that had to be evacuated and that had their stuff damaged and had kind of this hate directed strictly towards them in that Capitol building. It was also Republican House members, Republican senators who had who were the direct who were the direct um, victims of mm -hmm. hate. That was just flat out hate. What hate we saw hate. yesterday. That was, that was hate. So I think even beyond just you know you had you think back to the Obama administration where you know a lot of stuff he couldn't get he couldn't get past Congress because you know you had this, that was against him. You had this Republican majority that was against him and it mm -hmm. made things real hard in regards to him. Oh, being like able to pass Jesus. certain Tramps. laws and being able to Tramps. change policy, you know, in, in favor of equality and things of that sort. I think from a political level, when you look at these folks that hold these positions as lawmakers and policymakers, you they will have to um, equate this in their decisions in regards to laws and policies that are presented to them going forward based on the, the what they were victim of yes victims of yesterday yeah. so that's speaking more so on a federal level yeah um but then yeah i think like i said on a local and, and more so at a grassroots level the same goes we all saw what took place yesterday like we all, saw it. we all saw it similar to how we all saw george floyd go through what he went through and there's no way that you couldn't tell justify me it. that was a turning it. point that that wasn't a turning point in 2020 so I definitely think yesterday's turn of events will be another turning point, you know, in favor of folks who want to see equality, for folks who want to see change, because I, I definitely think it doesn't matter what party you're a part of. That was scary to see if you were watching the news or if you were scrolling down your timeline. That was scary to be a part of. If you were a senator who has other staffers, if you're uh, somebody that's a part of Congress who has staffers, and, you know, many of those folks have not only um, their lives to care about, and they don't only care from a human aspect, but I think a lot of them, I saw Senator Merkley post something when it came to, like, some of the material stuff that he has throughout his office that may be very sentimental to him. I would imagine he wasn't the only one that dealt with that destruction and that damage. So just across the board, yes, I believe yesterday was a right. turning point because, again, it was another situation where, you know, the, the far-right protesters, not even protesters, <clears throat> those were terrorists yesterday, but a lot of people terrorists. on the far-right straight terrorists. beyond uh, beyond who were at who are on the scene in Washington, D.C., they, they, they did not appreciate that for what it was. So, um, yeah, man, I think that was a turning point. Um, I want to talk about something that you brought up to me initially, and then I'm, I, I'm starting to hear these stories across the board, though, taking it back to sports a little bit. All right. 
Tom Brady and Antonio Brown. Talk to me about what took place between Tom Brady and Antonio Brown, because I think it was dope. <laughs> As we discuss a lot, I sports bet damn near every day. Sometimes it could be a good thing. <laughs> Other times it's not. But anywho, it's what I do. So a lot of times I'm watching games. I'm checking scores on the ESPN app, the CBS Sports app whatever and so I usually know the trends of when a team is winning by more than a touchdown or two and they and they have possession of the ball and the game is generally over I see it tell me kneel down time runs down kneel down (laughs) this time I didn't see that I seen Tom Brady pass to Antonio Brown Tom Brady pass to Antonio Brown Tom Brady pass to Antonio Brown and then I see the clock run out. In my head, I'm like, ooh, that's janky. I'm a I, I can't believe this for for one. Like, why are they still passing the ball? I'm not watching the game, obviously, but I'm like, why are they passing the ball when the game is over? And then I hear that Antonio Brown in his contract had a stipend or a bonus for having 45 receptions in the season. And at the time he had 42 receptions so instead of doing the general quarterback snap nail the ball nail the ball to run the timeout they threw him three shovel passes in a row in order to get him his two hundred and fifty thousand dollar quarter million uh bonus for 45 receptions dopest thing ever great comeback story for antonio brown speaks volumes of tom brady and who he is and further justifies him as the GOAT to some. I still hate him because I'm a Raider fan, but Shady Tom Brady, that was dope as hell. Man, that's super dope. And it's crazy because I, uh, I'm i going to attempt to. Nothing's etched in stone, but I'm going to attempt to get Jason Verrett here on this podcast at some point this month as the season just ended for them. He's one of the top three finalists for Comeback Player of the Year. And I was just thinking of things in my head because my wheels are always turning of questions to ask him about sort of the financial impact that the few years that he had been out with injury had on him. Um, not to not to get into his pockets, but to more so speak to how the system works in regards to the NFL and paying these players because it's not the same as what you see in the NBA where guys have guaranteed contracts. It's crazy you said so that because even a- on the music level, I talked to Simba about that yesterday. We was on the phone for about an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. And part of the conversation was also not getting in his pockets, but understanding the difference on payouts from how a distribution deal works and how an artist deal with a major label, mm-hmm. such as what he signed works. And it was very insightful for me and without getting into his business. Right. So I understand. Yeah, you know, yeah, what for saying. sure. I, I just want us to get a better understanding of it because like I said, it's different than it is in, in that of the NBA. Um, but, and then thinking about that and then knowing how short these careers are on average, like, NFL careers on average are between three to four years, and that's usually less than four, but like three and some change. So, so CJ Anderson, he went past his, like, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. The average NFL career, like, we sometimes get caught up in what stars do because they're the ones who are promoted to us. to the ones that weed out. It's 50 players on a roster. Like, you know what I mean? It's like we see the stars because that's who we're seeing on ESPN. That's who we're talking about on all these media platforms. But we're not realizing, like, 
it's 50 other guys on the roster that aren't getting the recognition that these two or three guys are that are balling out. And their careers are done in less than four years. So, you know, when we look at it from that perspective, like the majority is still playing for a lot less amount of time, even somebody like a Jason Verrett. The reality is he was still a first-round pick. He was a pro bowler, and although he ended up dealing with three years' worth of injuries, he had that to stand on that most people don't. I was about to say, I think that allowed him to get those chances to maybe For come sure. back and pursue and push through those injuries. Where For sure, but most people, people don't get those opportunities. They would have gotten passed up on. Their careers would have been done. Um, but also, just going back to... What Tom Brady did, I thought that was super dope. <laughs> it was raw. I, I thought that was absolutely incredible. But also, Russell Wilson did the same thing um, where he got David Moore a 100K bonus in the final seconds of the season as well. So it's actually something we're starting to see across the league. It's and I think it's a me great that they're trend. mindful of it. Though. Yeah. Like, I, I would get lost in it. I mean, not when it's that kind of money, I guess. I can't say I would, but for them to be on the same page, quarterback and receiver, and like, we finna get you this chicken you feel me absolutely so i so i thought that was super dope man because like i said just having these quarterbacks step up like that and they're the ones that are getting paid you know a lot more significantly than anybody else on the field so for them to be mindful of it rather than kind of being greedy and and them getting paid a bunch of money and not caring about the pockets of their teammates i think is super dope d-boy i want to ask you something real quick though talk to me um you know, we, we love to talk about music on here. You already acknowledged the conversation um, that you had with Simba yesterday. What do you expect kind of from this year musically? Um, and you can speak to your own career, but you also can kind of speak from a general standpoint. What are your expectations of this year? I expect us to see creative ways for social distance live events to take place. I seen something in the CARES Act about Save the Stage and live venues still being a part of the budgets and, you know, everything. That's that's awesome, which leads me to believe that there is some kind of plan people are putting in place to be able to socially distant live event. I think with the fact of seeing, and I know, I don't want to use grocery stores because I know they are essential, but... It's a lot of non-essential things that I still see open, such as uh, shopping at, you know, shopping at Ross. These are just examples I'm throwing you, but shopping at Ross and uh, being in the being in the lobby of a of a fast food restaurant when you could just only utilize the the drive-through and, and just all kind of different things where I see people in the same building and under the same roof to where I think we will see a lot more live shows. Uh, uh, creatively taking place and outside of that I think we just gonna continue to see see more and more new artists emerge creatively through this pandemic because content mattering even more so than it has before and it's already been mattering you know Con- I mean? content but is king for content sure. being so creatively uh, you know involved and, and at our fingertips every second of the day I think we're just gonna see more creative ways that people are channeling their 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 artistic creative 
creativity through this pandemic. No, I, I agree 100%. I, I actually think maybe at some point by the end of the year that we actually will get live shows back. Yeah. And, and I, I'm willing to predict that with the vaccines coming out and things of that sort, I think once you kind of get through summer, the only thing that I'm concerned about is like, I do think it will take through summer for us to get to that point. And then when you think about post-summer, you think about like cold and flu season again. So that's the only thing that concerns me in that regard that because it's the season where everybody gets sick and if you compare it to this winter and this fall where numbers have spiked drastically through the due to the the virus and the can seasons you, can you imagine I, that's the only reason i would kind of hesitate you, on my take but i do think imagine it'll imagine twenty thousand. I mean, it probably won't be too let's just say can you imagine a concert full of people wearing masks yeah do you think people would keep their mask like Think of the elements of a concert when you really think of it. It's like you might put your mask on and get through the door, but that's going to be a whole nother level of security regulation that is going to be hard to go through when you're yeah, talking about is. singing back. Yeah, a crowd. A, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just thinking of that. And it's like it's still so many barriers that will make it very difficult to be uh, uh, effective when when you have these kind of barriers and i just don't see you being able to really police and security mask wearing in a concert that's known for dancing and singing back and being hot and sweaty and stinky and <laughs> well, well 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 i, I well let me say this let me say this i don't think shows will be back in like full capacity anyway. I, I, and that's why i so, said I, that's why i said take away 20,000 i'm just saying yeah 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 yeah, yeah. You i know, get what you said but but it's I, yeah. still going to be I, yeah, I know. It's people are hard to control. People are hard to tame. It won't be easy to do. Yeah, that's another level. It's already hard to tame them just coming and being cool. But I also think that you would just have to be strategic in where you perform, where you don't even have to worry about that. I.e., a place like Atlanta or, or Houston, where folks are in the club, and you Man, know Arizona. Like there are places crazy. that you can go to where they ain't hardly wearing no mask anyway because their regulations aren't as strict. And I think as you start to Excuse me. As you start to see regulations kind of loosen up in other areas, it will allow for people to be able to kind of schedule in a niche way to where you still can get a decent tour off. I, I agree Maybe with not you, in every city you would go, you. but in the cities that we'll, are available we'll see that to perform this year in. For sure. Absolutely. D boy, you said uh you got anything that you want to announce? Well you we already did announcements earlier, so Yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm finna go uh shoot a little promo video. It's a beautiful day in Portland and it's I'm happy to say that in yeah, a time for sure. where you don't get many beautiful days in January. Uh early January especially, but it's nice. I'm finna go take advantage and get in front of the camera. Absolutely. Well, on that note, we will leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and, and go, go in. in.